Hello, I want to welcome you to Kingdom Success University, which is a faith-based podcast that teaches kingdom principles in a practical but strategic way. Some of the key principles that will be highlighted but not limited to are effective communication, developing a success mindset, leadership skills, how to develop healthy relationships, finances, character, and much more. Let us explore how you can personally expand your capacity to succeed in life. Shara Hutchison is a minister, TEDx speaker, international best-selling author, leadership strategist, change management practitioner, customer experience expert, talent optimization consultant, and founder and CEO of Exposure. With a master's degree in business and a bachelor's degree in technical management, she has over 17 years of leadership experience and a proven track record of developing and implementing operational strategies and technologies that support key business initiatives. She is known for inspiring leaders and developing high-performing teams. Shara enjoys writing and spending time with her two-year-old son, Todd Jr., and her husband of 11 years, Todd Sr. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Kingdom Success University, where we teach kingdom principles in a practical but strategic way. So today, I am so excited to have our guest, Shara Hutchison, again. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me again, James. I'm I'm excited to be here. And hi, everybody. Yes, yes, yes. You know, um, it's always great to have you on here. Uh, I know that you're doing some big things, some great things out there. Um, Obviously, we promoted you in in our video here, so most people should already know you. But just to kind of... just kind of at a high level, let people know your family dynamics, your background, because I know there's some great things that's been happening. So, you know, I want you to give the audience an update on some of those great things that have happened in your life. Oh, yeah. So um, just a little bit about me. I know you heard probably the, the introduction that was played prior to me speaking, but um, I am a leadership professional. Uh, I am the CEO of a company called Exposure. And the reason why I chose the name Exposure is because as a child, I was exposed to so many different things, being in foster homes and being um, homeless at the age of 13 and, and being exposed to drugs and all kind of things. Um, and it took my life on a downward spiral. And then I had the opportunity to be exposed to some good people, some people who were serving God, people who were living uh, a better life than what I had seen, people who were successful in business. And that exposure created an appetite in me for more and for better. And now I'm on the quest to create that same appetite in others. And throughout my career, as I've advanced in my professional career um, and in my business, the one key thread that have been has been woven through all of those experiences is exposure and how powerful um, being exposed to new information and ideas can be to your professional life, to your family life, to your um, health, your fitness. I mean, every area of life, being exposed to new things just literally changes your whole world, whether it be negative or positive. So it's important that we, you know, put ourselves in position 
to see the right thing so that we could go after and be attracted to the right things. And so um, I'm excited to get into our topic and um, not just share about me, but share tools and tips, I hope, that will help um, our listeners uh, build dynamic teams or, you know, a dynamic, you know, family. Absolutely. Right. And I mean, and you, I mean, your, your, your background just speaks for itself. Right. So that, that that's really uh, what's impressive about you and about your life and about your family dynamics. And I think that, again, uh, just to let the audience know that this is a part one and a part two to this. So we're going to talk about the team dynamics, which, you know, Sherrod, that you'll get into here today. And then uh, we'll have another uh, episode that we'll get into the family dynamics and, and how to have a, a, a thriving family uh, with everything that you have going on in your life. How do you still have success in your family uh, with your family dynamics? So uh, I'm excited to hear about that for sure. But uh, just to get into it. So, Shara, you were telling me offline here that you actually have a acronym that you want to share with us. I, I do. So today, part one uh, series of this team dynamics versus family dynamics, uh, we'll be talking about team dynamics. And one of the things that um, I say that I am a specialist at is developing leaders and developing high performing teams. And in order to develop a high performing team, you have to be intentional about it. And throughout my over 17 years of leadership experience, I thought to myself, what has made me successful in leadership? What has allowed me to uh, get my teams to literally like, not literally, but bend over backwards, like, and really be there to assist um, and to, to, to support the vision and to bring up ideas and allow them to operate, you know, in their zone of genius and the areas that they're successful at. So I analyzed kind of all of that. And I came up with an acronym that I believe as leaders, whether you're leading uh, on your job, whether you're leaning, leading at a church, whether you, no matter where you're leading at, you can be leading uh, in your family, you know, whatever. Leadership is a principle. It is not um, a title. So leadership is more of like being able to influence. And when you influence, we've all had leaders in our life where maybe we felt like they weren't that good of a leader, or maybe you felt like you had leaders who were like, this is a great leader. I've had leaders on both sides, some, some kind of in the middle. Um, but the thing that I think threads through all of this is the acronym that I'm going to share with you now is uh, EXPOSE. Um, just as I mentioned earlier, how exposure changed my life to the, for the negative as a child, but more so as a positive, um, as an adult and in my professional career, I think being a leader, you have to be able to open yourself to new ideas and be exposed to new ways of doing things so that you can grow. And, and James, you know this, you and I talk about this frequently about having a, a professional development plan. So if you expose yourself to new things, then you're going to grow, you're going to develop. Um, and the word dynamics actually means like the forces that uh, promote growth and development um, and, and, and improvement. And so if we're talking about team dynamics here and, and I'm using this acronym EXPOSE, um, 
then I can, I guess I can just go ahead and tell you what the, what the acronym means, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so expose uh, the process for building this, this great team is number one, um, to explore. So that's the EX. Um, and to explore, really, you're exploring the possibilities of what you can accomplish with the team that you have by analyzing your team, their skills, what motivates them, their personalities, their expectations. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. The P is to pivot. Right in basketball, and um, I did play a little bit in high school. I wasn't good though. <laughs> uh, when you pivot with the ball, one foot, which is your pivot foot, it stays grounded and doesn't move, while your other foot um, moves in whatever direction you choose to move it in so that you can see uh, your next best move. And so, as a leader, you need to be able to number one, stay grounded on whatever principles you have, but be able to pivot and use that other foot to look around and see what options are available for you so you know what your next best move is. Um, the O is to optimize. So to optimize means to, to make the best effective use of your resources. And when you optimize your team, you're getting the people in the right seats. And we'll talk a little bit later about how do you get the right person in the right seat, doing the right job so you can get the right results. That is important to use your, your, um, your resources more efficiently, whether it's church, whether it's home, whether it's, you know, schooling, whether it's your job, whatever it is, you can optimize your resources and to optimize and be more effective. I'll give the analogy. Uh, this lady told me a while back where like, if you, uh, if you ask a team to go and cut down trees um, in the forest on the West and there's five trees and they, and they go and they chop down all the trees, but they chop the trees down um, in the forest uh, to the east and they chop five trees down in the east and they do it quickly. They do it efficiently. They get it done. They get it done in a timely fashion, but they did not chop the trees down in the west. Guess what? Their resources were not optimized because they were uh, efficient, but they weren't effective because they didn't get the result. And when you don't have the right people in the right seats doing the right role, you may get some things done, but you may not get the right things done. So you want to learn how to optimize your talent. Um, the S is for strengthen. So once you've done all that, you want to develop and strengthen your team. Um, and this can only happen through communication, through meetings, through, you know, one-on-ones um, and helping that person or the person's find whatever their superpower is and strengthen and develop them. Because if you have a strong team and strong individuals, you know, then, you, then you get the outcome you want and everybody's strong. Um, then the E is to empower. So when you empower somebody, you are able to delegate and let that person operate um, under the, under the impression that you trust them, right? Like, so um, if, if you empower somebody, you actually give them the authority you, you say, you have permission to do this. I trust you to do this. I'm delegating this to you. And then you don't have to micromanage. Like if you are leading somebody and you feel like you have to over, oversee their every single move, then you have not empowered them. And so we'll talk about uh, this whole exposed process um, today. And, and I'm very, very, very excited about it. James, I know that was like a, a mouthful going through all that. And so um, I'll pause for a minute and see where you want to, where you want to segue from here. No, no, that is great because that really helps the, the audience know and understand 
hey, uh, how do I start, right? And, and but now this is a great spot uh, to start with. So with EX, right, you say explore. So let's get into that a little bit here. So when it comes to team dynamics, and, and you can go whichever way you want, whether if it's business, whether if it's just uh, at work. So how do you identify the, the right people, right, for your team? Um, help the audience to understand that, like having the right kind of individuals uh, on your team. That's a good question. And this is something that many leaders struggle with, albeit ministry, albeit, you know, working. Um, I know that some of the teams that I've led in the past, um, there were times where we only had a finite amount of people. And it's like, I got to use people where, where, where they can fit. And then I would keep people too long um, because maybe they weren't doing a good job and they weren't, um, I don't want to put this, they were good at a certain point, but then when we were, you know, on a trajectory to move to the next level, they just weren't ready. They couldn't see the vision and they wanted to continue doing what they were doing and they were stagnant. Um, and then I've had teams where, you know, like we've had a, a dream team, uh, or I've had people who, um, were just, you know, like newer and, and were really ambitious and some people who had been there for a long time and wanted to stay with the status quo and, no matter what type of team you have, you want to analyze, number one, like, what are you trying to accomplish? What goals do you have right now as a team? So you may be, I'll just make an, a couple examples here. You may be in a process where you are innovating and you're growing and you're developing new ideas to get to the next level. Well, if you don't have a team with that capability, guess what? You are going to stay in the right Play, you know, the same place. Uh, you may be in a phase where maybe you're stabilizing and you've been innovating a lot, but you realize that you need um, stability and processes. And if you have a whole bunch of people who are innovating and no process people, guess what? You're not going to have that process because the people who are innovating don't care about process. Um, you may be in a phase where maybe people's morale is down and you need to build them up. And so you need some people who are people people who who want to encourage and inspire. And maybe they're not concerned about the details, but they are the warm and fuzzy people who who give you ideas on how to inspire. And so, you know, analyzing first, like what it is that your team is out to accomplish right now. And then you can assess and analyze your team's skill set. Um, and the way that I usually do that is like with personality or behavioral assessments. Um, and I use uh, a tool called the predictive index in my uh, company where I assess uh, the behavioral skills of or the behavioral profiles is probably a better word of individuals. And you can see what, you know, what drives this person, what motivates this person, you know, what are their um, natural strengths and abilities? So each of us has like natural strengths and abilities. And I heard, who was it? John Maxwell, I think uh, was, I listened to him a, a while back and he said something about, you know, when you develop your skills that, you know, we all have, you know, natural abilities and maybe naturally you're a seven at something. And if you're a seven at that, then you could probably get to an eight or nine with development. But if you are naturally a three at something, then you're probably never going to get to a nine or 10. So you don't want to spend a whole bunch of time doing that. But as a leader, right, if you don't understand your team members' um, strength and their, you know, what their, what their abilities are, you may push them in an area where they're a three and waste 
your time and theirs. Um, and you may fire them or, or get rid of them because you feel like they're not they're not useful, but maybe they're useful just in another role. And so that's why that's important. So I use, you know, personality, behavioral assessments, also observing, right? Like you can observe people. You don't always have to do like a formal assessment of their behavioral profile. You can see by talking to somebody and looking at their performance, what they're naturally good at. Uh, for example, myself, I'm a problem solver. And so when I look at something or somebody brings me a problem, I'm not think I don't automatically think, well, what's the process? I don't. I think, well, how are we going to fix this? Then I'm like, we can do this. We can do this. We can do, you know, like, like my mind goes, you know, a hundred different ways trying to figure out like, how can we fix this? And that is really good um, at times where, you know, we, where a problem needs to be solved. Now, if a process needs to be followed, now I have to take a step back. And I'm like, let somebody else do that. Okay. Like, you know, but if I'm in a role where I have to like uh, do these 10 steps the same way every day, all day, I would not thrive. And it would appear that I am not a good worker (laughs) because that is not my strong suit. A big picture thinker. I'm a problem solver. I'm all about strategy. I, I, I look at all the different pieces and try to see how they tie together and come up with a plan. If you have me doing that, great. Um, it, you know, like in, in leading, if you don't understand who you're working with, like I said, you could have them in a role that creates conflict for them. You could have them in a role that, um, frustrates them and makes them worn out and, and burns them out and wants them to leave. Because when we do the things that we love, we actually get energy. Do you ever feel that way, James? Like, um, like when you're doing something that you love to do, like it, charges you. And even if it's late at night, you can be like, you know what? I can still do this thing because it excites yep. me. Yep. And, and it's this, that usually that's the thing that the person's good at, like, and let them do that. Um, so analyzing their skill sets also, you know, understanding, like I said, what motivates them. There are people who are motivated by public accolades or affirmations, right? Like they need to be acknowledged publicly and saying, you're doing a good job. But then there's other people who, if you put them on the spot publicly, even with um, kudos, they will be so embarrassed that they would want to go hide under a rock. And so if you don't know that, you may, you know, think that you're doing something great by, you know, I am going to recognize Susie at the staff meeting and tell her what a great job she's doing. And now she doesn't want to come back to work because you embarrassed her, you know? Um, So understanding who you work with and what motivates them is important. Another example is everybody uh, may not be motivated by money. Some people are motivated by promotions and money and dollars. Some people are motivated by collaboration, And all they want to do is work with people and they just want to be happy doing that. And if you throw money at them and don't give them the interaction they need, then you're not going to get the best out of them. And so understanding who you work with um, and what motivates them is very, very, very important. Um, Personality types, you know, knowing like, like, again, kind of same, same principle, understanding that person's personality and what they're more inclined to, to want to be a part of. And sometimes you get upset or offended by something. It's just somebody's personality. There's people who don't like making jokes at all. 
and I worked with a with a with a person, you know, many years ago uh, on my team, and he was just very stoic, had no expression, never made any jokes, never like everything was like black and white. And I'm pretty bubbly and vibrant, you know, once I'm comfortable with people, at least. Um, and, the, you know, people would come in, and they're like, this person is rude. And I'm like, no, they're not rude. You just don't know them. You know, you don't know that they don't care about all the fanfare. They just, you know, they they like to be very analytical and like to do, you know, solve complex, you know, queries and problems and, and, and the way that their mind operates. That's what excites them. Um, and so, no, they don't need to make any jokes or anything like that because that's not who they are and they're not being mean. And it doesn't mean they don't like you, you know, and so don't get so caught up if somebody's not just like you. And when we think about team dynamics, you want to realize that you need people from each area to make a cohesive dynamic team, right? Like if you have all one type of people on your team, um, chances are there's some blind spots. And if you don't have anybody on the team who's the naysayer, I mean, I know people sometimes don't like that naysayer, but that naysayer is good because they're going to bring up things you're not going to think about. You'll bring up an idea and they'll say, well, did you think about this? Did you think about this? And what about this? And I don't like it. And, and they'll tell you why. And sometimes it seems like they're trying to be a showstopper, but maybe they're not. A lot of times I found that they actually had some legitimate good ideas because they are stuck to the process and they want to make sure that you don't miss any important details. And if you don't have that person, you'll miss something. Um, you want to understand as you ex explore, you know, what um, your goals are, but what your, the, your team members goals are and what, what their expectations are and what they want. Um, and then what your expectations are of them. So that that's explore James, any questions or comments about that? I know, again, I'm, feel like I'm babbling, but I get excited when I talk about this stuff. No, no, this is good, right? So uh, for the audience, um, that's that that was a lot, but just to make it, you know, just to make it kind of uh, simple for everyone is just understanding that there are different personalities, different, uh, different talents, different skills, mm -hmm. and realizing that, hey, it's good to have a good balance of all of those personalities. It's not that it's negative, it's just different and unique, which what, what makes a team dynamic because it's unique skills that, that you're bringing into your environment. Um, so that was great. I really love the explore. It, it really it, like exposed. I, I just love the, the acronym, it's so amazing. So no, thank you for that. So to the next point, right, pivot. So help, help us to understand, okay, now that we've identified, our team. Now we understand their skills. We understand mm -hmm. their, their background and, and how they function. People who are serious some people who are bubbly, people who want to collaborate. Well, what about this pivot? Help us to understand from a team dynamic standpoint, how, how do we pivot when, when things do change? Because in life, you realize, you know, everything is changing, right? The way that we do technology. So how do you help a team that's very unique to pivot together? That's a really, really good question. So when you pivot, I, I'll simply put it like this. You learn to see things from a different lens. Kind of the analogy I gave earlier about the basketball player, keeping one foot grounded on what's most important and then being able to turn either direction with the other foot and the ball, having the ball in their hand, the ball yeah. represents like what it is 
you want to achieve and you you throw it in the direction that you want to go. And so when you if you're not in the right direction, you can throw the ball, but it may not end in the basket. Right. And so you want to hit the target, whatever target you set out in the beginning and said, here's what I want to accomplish. That's what you want to do. So you have to, to, to be able to be agile and move around and see things from a, from a different lens or different perspective. And sometimes that goes, you know, with maybe linking up with somebody else who's doing what you want to do, or who, who has already experienced it and opening your mind up. What is that? There's a quote that says a mind stretched by a new idea will never return to his former dimension. So if you allow your mind to get stretched and you pivot in your thoughts, then you can never go back to the way things were. You're going to hold true to some of the things that you're grounded on, but you're going to be able to see things from a different way. And I'll give an example. Um, uh, years ago, I, I had a team and I was working with them and you know, we had probably about I forget, maybe seven or eight people who were all kind of doing the same type of role. But I noticed that in that role, there were some people who had gotten really advanced and learned some of our products at a very skilled level. Then there were some people who did not want to dig in as much. They were more, I'll just call them more customer servicey, where they wanted to like talk to the customers and be friendly, but they did not want to like, all right, I'm going to go research on this back end or, or look at something that is, you know, really in depth. They just wanted to kind of stay surface. And I noticed that there was kind of like a, a difference between the people who wanted to be really friendly and surface and the people who wanted to uh, like dig in and do all the technical work. And I hadn't like split out a team before. And so uh, in order to pivot what we were doing, because to pivot also is like you've been doing something the same way for a while and it's hard to move and because you're like we've always done it this way and if you want to get to the next level sometimes you got to like pivot and go the other direction and so i recognize that it was time to make a change but sometimes it's time to make a change and you don't know what that change is and you don't know how to make that change because you've never done it right you ever been there, James? Like, where you like, I know Absolutely. something needs to change. I just don't know how I'm going to change it and what to do. So um, I actually, I'm a part of this, this group of um, leaders in the technology industry. And I met with one of my peers uh, on in that group. And I just kind of talked through and we got a whiteboard and just drew out, you know, the different members of my team, the different roles they had, the different uh, growth opportunities that we were having and where we were headed as a team. And he uh, explained to me how he had broken his team out into a tiered, tiered model, a tiered structure, where he had a tier one, tier two, tier three, and then he had different tracks that separated and had a customer uh, service focus track and then a technical track. And I had not thought of that before, even though I recognized the differences between my team members. And I took that information back and I'm like, all right, we're pivoting. We are implementing a tiered structure. And that's what we did. We implemented that and it worked. It worked and not only worked with our load uh, to help provide a better experience for the customer, it also helped uh, provide a great employee experience because now people who were just all on the same level felt like there was career advancement. There was career opportunities for growth. And so now it's like, ooh, I can work my way up to a level two or a level three and I don't have to move up in the technical side. If I don't want to, I can move up on the customer service track, which would allow me to have more of a like customer success function rather than a technical analyst function. And so providing um, that career path for both groups 
um, helped our customer and helped the employees. And it took, you know, a pivot in the mind and the way that we had always done things. Wow. So we were talking about this pivot and, and basically understanding in your example that, hey, there's different, there's different skills, there's different, you know, people that want to do certain things within their work. So you have to identify that, right? And say, mm-hmm. okay, hey, if we keep going down this path, we're not getting the success we want. We're going to keep getting what we don't want. So how do I pivot? How do I change? So in an example, you identified, hey, um, this is not going to work for us from an employee standpoint and a customer experience standpoint, which Mm -hmm. was very, very good, right? And so when you say that uh, the results were great, like, do you have like some stats of like, what those results were, like uh, the feedback, did your business grow with the customer? Uh, did some of those employees get promotions because you did that split? Uh, that split, Like what, what actually happened? What was the result of that? Yeah, good, good question. Yeah, so the, the wonderful thing is just about everybody on the team ended up being promoted and not just promoted, promoted to the track or the side in which that they were more interested in. So it gave them the ability to say, I want to work more, more with customers and some wanted to work less with customers and they wanted to be more on the back end. And so we gave them a, like a professional development plan that would allow them to work on special projects to prepare them for the next level. Um, And then several of them were promoted to that new role and stay, you know, stay with the company for many years. Um, And I think, when employees feel appreciated, they feel heard and they feel like, okay, there's growth opportunities for me here. They stay. And my retention, you know, was very, you know, very, very good just because I think they had, they had that growth. Now I'll be, I'll be transparent prior to that. I had lost a few team members along the way. And so I had to think, why are they leaving? And then I realized like, okay, there's no opportunities for growth. They feel like it's a dead end job. If you've been here for a year or two and you know you have nothing to look forward to and you don't want to go to another department, what do you do? And as we were growing, um, I realized that we needed to, to do something different, as I mentioned before. And I'll say this for the listeners out there. Um, if, there's, if, there, if you're at a place where maybe you're stagnant or things are not going right and you've been doing things the same way over and over, you haven't tried anything new, I'd say, ask yourself, Number one, do you think there's time to make a pivot in your ministry, in your business, in your whatever you're doing? Um, And if you're nervous about that, ask yourself, okay, what is the worst thing that could happen if I don't pivot? What's the worst that can happen if I don't change and I keep doing things the same way I'm doing them? And then say, all right, now what's the best thing that could happen if I do pivot and change? Um, And answer that question for yourself. And I guarantee you, you'll make the right move uh, because pivoting is not easy doing it. And, and again, back to what we talked about is looking at things from a different lens and making a shift in the way that you operate. And it's, and it's not um, leaving your core values or your core vision. It's just trying things a different way to get the outcome. And it's very difficult, very, very, very difficult to to implement something new when you've been doing something for, for a long time. But I think when you're realistic and you begin to ask yourself those questions, especially like, what's the worst thing that could happen? It's like, well, I, I won't grow. Uh, we won't make any more money. Uh, we won't get any more members. We won't, you're like, whatever it is, right? You can, the list could go on right. and on. And then you're like, you know what? I have got to do something different. Right. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, when what you're communicating and what's like rolling in my mind right now is this is this quote. Um, Stay committed to the mission, but flexible on the plan. I like that. That's exactly. If, if you could sum pivoting up in, in one quote, it would be that. Right. <laughs> you, you know, still staying committed to the mission, to what you're looking to deliver. Stay, staying true to your core values, your standards, the way that you operate and function. However, being flexible to the plan of how to get there. Exactly. Right? One plan, one plan may get you to point B, but that plan may not get you to plan C and plan D. So you have to be flexible to how you want to get there because getting there is going to be different. Everybody's path is going to be different. However, still keeping the end goal in mind is uh, is the real true focus of all of this. Right. Exactly. There's a book that's called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And many times we think, well, I did these four steps to get where I'm at. And so these four steps are going to get me to where I'm going. And that's not always true. Sometimes what got you here is good, but it's not great. And there's another book called Good to Great. You know, and so you have to pivot to say, like, do I want to continue to be good or do I want to be great? And greatness is another level and it requires another level of thinking. It requires another level of doing. It requires another level of process and another level of structure and Uh sometimes another level of team member. Right. Exactly. And, you know, um, which which kind of leads into your 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 third acronym. Right. Uh, Optimize. Now, this is my favorite word because as a project manager, you know, you're always looking at how to optimize, right? You're like, okay, mm-hmm. how do we optimize the very thing that's in front of us? Because the truth is, is that out there in this world, there's, yes, even though we have unlimited of opportunities, sometimes we may not have uh, unlimited of resources to get things yes. done, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to optimize the very thing that is in front of us. So help help the audience now understand how do they optimize the very thing that's under their care or responsibilities? Yeah, uh, really, really good, you know, feedback and thoughts there. And I'll just do a small little recap just because once you've explored and, and knowing where you're going and where you're headed and you've pivoted and you've seen like what changes you want to make, I think it becomes clear to you if you've done your assessment correctly, what you can do to get better. And so number one, optimizing is, I'd say you optimize the people and the process. So the people, you want to get the people in the right seats. Um, There's a a saying is like, you know, everybody can ride the bus, but everybody may have to be on a different seat. And sometimes you have somebody sitting right beside you on the bus who maybe should be like a couple rows back and they are influencing you in the wrong way. And so you may have to, to move them back and maybe they, they can be there or maybe they need to, you know, be the person who wipes the windows and maybe they're the one who's, who are cleaning the wheels. Whatever it is, like you want to make sure the right person's in the right seat. And that comes from understanding who you work with. Right. So if you have a person who is very process driven and you have them in an innovative role, um, you cannot get upset with them if they're not innovating. 
because you have them in a role that does not match their skill set. And no matter how hard they try and how much you coach them, they are not going to be a nine or 10 in that area. It's just, it's not what they're going to do. Now, if you put them in accounting or you put them in um, something where they're managing a project or something like that, where it's very calculated with steps, you're going to get uh, better results from them. And so, you know, getting the right person in the right seat, and we'll give some examples in a little while, but also um, process. Like when you optimize your, your people, you are getting more efficiency from your and effectiveness from your people because they're operating in their area and using their superpower to explode. Cause, cause honestly, we all know, right. We all have something that we do better than anybody else that, that cause God created us all different and we all unique and we all have great skills. And when you're doing the thing that you were created or designed to do, it's effortless. You actually get energy from doing it. And so if that happens, you are produce there's some things that I do that people are like how in the world did you do that so fast I can't do that well it's just something that I'm naturally good at now there's things that I can't do like my husband and I are we are polar opposites like he is very um process oriented and everything is pretty much black and white um I'm more creative and so I'm very flexible and so sometimes we bump heads we'll talk about family dynamics next week but um <laughs> and even in a team you know, two different people. Right. And so like, I'm trying to do things one way and, and there's things that I do very well. And he's like, wow, how do you do that? And then there's things that he does very well that if I was doing it, it would take much longer. For example, I mean, I, I bought a new desk and he put it together. I would still be putting the desk together weeks later if it was for, you know, if it was up to me, I, I had issues with my computer the other day and he took my computer apart. He ordered me a new graphics card and hard drive and uh, whatever else pieces that go in there, he put all that mm-hmm. stuff together and he did that. If it, And he was okay with all the little screws and doing all that stuff. I would have been frustrated. Like, look, just throw the computer away and get me a new one because I don't want to take that time. And so if you put me and you say, build a computer, I'm going to be frustrated. You put him in that he's smiling. And he, I mean, he was actually happy when my computer broke down because he wanted to be able to fix it. He wanted to order new parts and he wanted to be like singing his little songs and fixing the computer. Um, and so you optimize your team by getting them in the right seat, your processes, you look at what you're doing. And sometimes again, piggybacking off of the pivot um, uh, aspect of the acronym, we do things because we've always done them. And sometimes we have processes for the sake of processes. And sometimes some of those processes can be just like, you know what, do we have to do that? Probably not. And if it's something that you don't absolutely have to do, then it's okay to nix it and just try something different. And sometimes it cuts down on like, um, there, you know, there's times where maybe there's like a 10 step process to get something approved or to, and it's like, by the time you get to the 10 steps, you know, I'll give an example because I'm, I'm better with analogies. Like one of my roles in the past, we, we were hiring people and we had this whole like five step interview process. And I mean, we were sending candidates through the ringer and good candidates were slipping away and they were accepting other offers because in a two month, you know, like engagement to get the job, they were gone. And we had to realize like, wait a minute, do we need all these steps? Can we consolidate? Can we put some of the people, the contacts who want to talk to them, you know, on the same call and do like a panel so that they're not meeting with all these different people separately, but together. 
and we made some adjustments to our, our hiring process and we started, you know, getting some more of those, the top talent that weren't just, you know, like, you know what, this is too long and somebody else may be an offer. Um, and so that's just an example of how sometimes optimizing your processes and making a change. Um, back to the people portion, I want to give an example because I believe that people are who they are. Um, and yes, we can grow, we can develop, but everybody is unique in their own way. And sometimes when you put someone in a position that does not complement their strengths, you do yourself a disservice and you do them a dis disservice and you're not optimizing your resources because now you're spending more time coaching them or spending more time, you know, whatever, simply because you have them in the wrong place. And there's a, a little fa old fable that um, about a, a scorpion and a frog and the scorpion asked the frog, he says, let me take you across the river. And the frog is like, no, no, no. I am not going to let you take me across the river because you're going to sting me. And then if you sting me, we're going to both drown because I'm, I'll be on top of your back. And the scorpion was like, no, why would I do that? Why would I sting you and uh, cause both of us to drown, um, knowingly do that? And so the, the frog was like, okay, you're right. You're not going to drown both of us. So the frog gets, gets on the scorpion's back. They start going across the, the river. Midway through, guess what? The scorpion stings the frog. And on the way down, because they started to sink, the uh -huh. frog's like, why did you do that? And he's like, well, that's in my nature. That's just who I am. I couldn't help it. I had to sting you. Um, yep. And many times we get stung because we put somebody in the wrong spot and we're like, well, they're going to be able to do this. They're going to be able to handle this whole project. And now, you know, they're not even meeting their other goals and meeting their other deadlines. And then you put them over a whole project and they get mad when uh -huh. they're not meeting the deadlines. Well, that's your fault as a leader. You need to see that, right? Um, we get upset if someone is, you know, you know, being rude to customers and not, you know, really giving the level of service that we want. And, you know, we recognize that this person is really not a people person, but they are very good with numbers and very good with, you know, queries and whatever, like put them on the back end. If you have a back end position available um, that requires their analytical skills there, but don't put them in front of the customers and get upset with them when you know that they're probably, if there are three at that area, that the best they'll probably get to is like a six, you know, or even a five. And so optimizing your people and your processes <laughs> helps you get more done. And James, you know, this from being a, a project manager, right? Like there, when, when you assess your project, I'm sure you think about scope creep. You think about the resources, you think about the budget, you think about the timeline, you think about Absolutely. external factors and internal fa like all that stuff goes into play when you're planning your project and you want to find out how you can have uh, more impact with, you know, in less time, right? Like you, that, that's the whole idea of optimizing is more impact in less time. Um, and the only way to do that is to have the right processes in place and the right people in the right places. Absolutely. You know, uh, there's this quote and uh, that, that actually, uh, that, that I formulated, right? I thought about it for like the past six years. And I was like, man, okay, how can I really, you know, convey this when it comes to optimizing. And, and here's a quote, and I, I'm a, hopefully it makes sense, is that uh, I am more than enough, but what I'm doing is not enough. So when it comes Ooh. to optimizing, it's not about if individually, as me as a person, 
I'm incapable because I am more than enough uh, to do anything that I'm called to, to do or be, but maybe in the position that I'm in, I'm just not doing enough. Yes. Right. And I'm not capable of doing that because maybe that's not my strong suit. So to the audience is not to say that you're not good enough. Right. right? So you got to remove yourself from saying, oh, well, I'm not good enough. No, mm-hmm. you're more than enough. It just may be the position you're in is just not good enough for what you're doing. So, yeah. and that's the action part. So that that's what how how I'm taking it. And again, you know, you can kind of you know piggyback off of that. But I just yeah, to that, that you, I, I love what you said there. And it when you lead very well, you actually have the opportunity. Like, there's literally been times that <clears throat> myself and someone who reported directly to me came to the conclusion together that they were not a good fit for the role. And we either found them a position that better suited them, or there's been times where I said, you know what? We know this is not working, but I will give you a few weeks to find a job. And they agreed. And I mean, I've had people thank me, like, thank you so much. You're right. I was so stressed doing this. This is not who I am. This is not what I thought it was going to be when I got here. And so um, I think, don't be afraid as a leader to have those tough conversations uh, because you'll be surprised. Someone may actually thank you for it. Like, you know what? I, and when you do it, you want to highlight their strong suit. Cause like James said, you are more than enough, whatever it is. Sometimes you you're just in the wrong spot or you're just like, I want to have her here and get a job. Well, as you mature and get older, you don't want a job. I mean, you're, you're at your job sometimes more than you're at home. And so wherever you work, you want it to be something you enjoy doing and where you feel fulfilled. And so if you don't feel that way, you're not growing and developing and it's more of a burden, either one, check to see if you're doing enough or you're being lazy <laughs> or check to see if maybe it is just going against the fabric of who you are. And it's too much of a strain to operate in that area because you're not naturally good at it. I have, you know, uh, friends, friends of mine who are really good with people um, and really good with like thinking about ways to interact and connect with people, but not as good at thinking about how the dots connect when it comes to strategic things. And so, you know, I don't think about people often. I'm just being transparent. You know, when I'm thinking about something, I'm thinking how it's going to work and how, you know, like I'm solving a bigger problem and I have to purposely stop and think, who do I need to ask for help? Who do I need to do this? But for some of my friends, it comes natural. And they're like, hey, you know, like do this and do this and say this. And I was like, wow, how do you know what to say to people? You know, and then they say, well, how do you know what to implement and what questions to ask to get to the right result? It's because we have different skill sets um, and it doesn't make it a bad thing. It's actually a good thing um, uh, to be able to have two different views. And I'll, I'll, I'll give another example. I was resigning from, uh, a previous role. And because I am a planner and I usually have everything kind of organized and I work, I created this big spreadsheet with all the things that I was working on and no one asked me to do it. I just, I, and, and I'm like, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and create a plan for this, this project prior to me leaving so that whoever takes the role can do this. And so I was talking to a friend and I was telling her what I was going to do. And she said, well, Shara, why would you just go and create that plan? Why don't you ask your boss if he wants that plan? 
first. Well, because I don't always think about asking a person, I'm thinking about how do I solve a problem? I hadn't considered that. And so I, I stepped back and took her advice. And so I asked my, my previous, a previous boss, I said, hey, I was thinking about creating this plan for you um, because of this, this, and this. And he said, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. We'll let the next person figure that out. But here's what I do want you to do. And he was appreciative of the spreadsheet I created with the projects. But had I not took a step back and talked to my friend, I would have created something and wasted time for no reason. And I was stressing myself out like, I got to get them this process, this, this plan because I'm leaving and all, you know, like having that opposing view is really good sometimes and being willing to think about it a different way because I was able to optimize my time by not doing a thing that I didn't need to do. Wow. I mean, that that's great. I, I mean, we could talk for hours and hours on optimizing because, you know, uh, people at my at my work, they know it's all about optimizing. So they'll they'll appreciate that. The oh, uh, optimizing. But but yeah. So to the next to the next word here is strengthen, which is very unique. And I, I would love to get your perspective on strengthen from a leadership perspective. So what, what does that look like to strengthen? So simply put, like to strengthen is to, this is where you develop your team, you develop them individually, um, and you do this with very clear communication. You do this with having, you know, specific one-on-one meetings. Me as a leader, something I do with everybody that reports to me is I never want so many people reporting to me that I can't have one-on-one meetings with them. And then my direct reports, I don't want them to have so many people that they're that's reporting directly to them that they can't meet with them one-on-one. Uh, because how do you strengthen somebody without spending time? You know why people get personal trainers? They get personal trainers because there's areas of their life that they need focus on and what they need to strengthen. And sometimes being in a, a Zumba class with 20 people, you may get a little fit but you're not strengthening your core. You're not strengthening those key areas. A personal trainer will will look at you and say, well, wait a minute. I can tell from this week to last week that you've been eating bad because of the way that your muscles are moving. A personal trainer can look at you and say, you know what? I recognize that your core is very weak. And so we're going to work on your core and you've been working on your legs, but your legs are strong. You don't need to work on your legs. You need to work on your core or you need to work on your arms or you're doing all this exercising, but you're not eating right. Like that personal trainer uh, will help strengthen you because they have targeted um, advice and counsel for you on what to do as a leader meeting one-on-one with your direct reports is the same thing meeting one-on-one, having a specific agenda where you're talking to them about their progress. Like one of the things that I always say as a leader, when it comes time for review, no one should ever be surprised about where they stand. Like if somebody's not going to get a raise or they're not going to get a promotion or they're uh, not performing up to expectations, the first time they hear it should not be in their annual review. It, they should have had conversations along the way and get, been given an opportunity to improve because it is unfair to them to just th- spring something on them without um, giving them direct feedback and communication. Because as a leader, you're there to develop them. James, you have daughters, right? I have a son. We have children. We strengthen them. We teach them along the way. And we don't just wait a whole year and say, well, let me tell you the 20 things you did wrong. And that's it. It's like, hey, along the way, 
here's what you here's what you're doing well here's an opportunity for growth and advancement and people appreciate that and not only do you meet with them and have a, a target agenda you also help them come up with a development plan something that i always do is i help individuals that report to me figure out what is it that you really want to do even if it's not with the company that i'm with even if it's in a different department i want to help them grow to whatever it is that they want to do the reason why is a happy person right in their role and who feels like they have an opportunity for growth is going to be loyal to you and they will stay until you help them. And, and you can help put targeted things in place and link them. I've, I've done this numerous times, like link people up with other departments to help them get their feet wet. And sometimes they get their feet wet in another department. They're like, no, I don't want to go over there. I want to stay. <laughs> or they're like, you know what? I don't want to do that, but I did find out that I want to do something different. And helping them with that development plan, giving them action items, um, and then one of the most important things to strengthen your team is to, to lead by example and to do what you say. Something that um, I, 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 I try to do consistently is do what I'm, I say I'm going to do. And when I meet, I keep a structured, um, structured like um, note template that I use for everybody that I meet with. And then if there's to-do items that I said I was going to do in the meeting, I write them down with a due date for myself or for the other individual. And then I keep a tally going. So every week, then the next week I say, I was supposed to do this and here's where I'm at with it. It's completed. Or you know what? I need another week. And so I'm keeping them accountable um, for what they said they were going to do. And I'm allowing them to keep me accountable for what I said I was going to do. And that is a, it builds trust and it helps them see you as like, you know what? my leader cares and I want to get better. I want to do better. And, um, you know, as you're getting to know them and meeting with them one-on-one, you know, what areas, like I, like I mentioned in the example earlier about the, um, personal trainer, you know, what areas that they can improve in. And so you can give them focus tips or like I've given my team members YouTube videos, like just, I mean, it doesn't take a lot to just say, you know what, like one of my team members in the past asked for a promotion and it's like, he wanted to do the same job, but wanted to be promoted for doing that. And so I sent him some YouTube videos about how to properly ask for a promotion and how you get promoted for doing uh, what you're already doing, usually not because of something that you can do and understanding the mindset of being, you know, having personal development, he, he appreciated that. And so it's not just talking to somebody, but really give, I mean, I've given people worksheets and exercises to get them the process through what is it that they really want so that they could uh, go after it and not just feel like they're, they're stuck or if they're having conflicts or something like that. And they don't, and I, I had someone who reported to me before who was very dynamic and I, and could have been a great, you know, manager or leader, but could not control their temper. And so I'm like, hey, here's how you manage conflict in the office. Here's how you interact with, like you can, you can give that focused, you know, coaching to the person so that they can develop and strengthen themselves in the areas that they need to strengthen themselves in because it helps them, but it also helps your overall team. Like if, if you have, what, what do they say? You're only as strong as your weakest person. The, the team is only as strong as the weakest link. And so you want to strengthen every team member so that it strengthens your entire team. And if your team is strong, you can handle more, you can do more, you can accomplish more. You know, 
there's this quote, and I, I, I'm not even a quoster, a quoter like you. Uh, but every time I'm around you, I'm always quoting something now. But um, but there's this quote: "If you cater to the weak, everybody gets weak, including the strong." Yep. And yep. so, so what you're basically communicating is is that to strengthen people, you have to identify some of the areas of opportunities that mm-hmm. could possibly weaken the team dynamics to say, okay, hey, this can weaken us and affect the outcome of our mission, whether if that's business or money or, or power, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We need to strengthen uh, the people around us to ensure that, that we're strong together and not indivi- just not only individually. So yep. yeah, that is, that's, that's amazing. That's great. Well, you bring up a good point too, James. You know, I do want to highlight the strength and comes after the optimization. Remember, we talked about optimizing. Part of that is getting the right people in the right seats, right? So, to your point, you you've already identified where somebody should be, so you're not wasting time mm-hmm. strengthening a person in an area that they're probably not going to get strong in, and mm-hmm. wasting time like like there was. I know there was a book that I read. I can't remember which book it was in, but the author talked about um, how as a a good leader, you don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the people who are struggling because you can forget about your high performers Mm -hmm. and the high performers now don't feel engaged. And then you end up losing them. And now you have a bunch of weak, weak team members. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but you know, or people who are underperforming. Right. And so you spend all your energy, like how do I get this person up to speed? That's why the, 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 the exposed process is so important because when you optimize and get the person in the right seat, now it's easier to strengthen somebody who already wants to be strengthened. It's easier to strengthen somebody in an area that they're already good at. They just need a little polish in. And so you're not starting from ground zero with these people. You you know that they're in the place where they thrive at and you're strengthening them in the in the specific areas that are going to uh, help them and help your team dynamics. That's true. And and look, and, and the reality is, is that this is why it's called Kingdom Success University. Look, we're not going to come to the audience with fake news or fake information. Mm-hmm. If you want fake information, go to another podcast, right? So we're going to speak some truth here. right? So again, you don't want, you know, yes, of course, everyone's going to come in with, you know, areas of opportunities, but it's not to cater to those weaknesses and say, well, it's okay. You can keep doing what you're doing. That's not going to produce success. And it's just not. And we're lying to you if we're saying it that it does. So, you know, so if people don't want to hear that, then, you know, that's their problem. But anyways, uh, I went off the rails. That, that, no, that was good. Now that was good because you cannot be afraid to address topics like that. And you cannot be afraid as a leader to reseat people, reposition them and, and have the communication to say, this is not the best role for you. And it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, I mean, it's fine. You know, I've, I've had that in my life too, as well. Like, Hey James, we think that you, you're best suited over here and, and that's Okay. It's not, it's not negative, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's about outlook and just understanding. Right. And so, you know, that, that's the whole point of optimizing. Hey, let's, let's make sure that we, that, that we understand that, Hey, this person is being utilized in the best way possible and that they're happy as well. 
right? So it goes hand in hand. It can't be, it can't always be either or. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's what this podcast is all about. And that's what I wanted to make sure that the audience knows that, hey, look, we're coming to you with some truth. You know, mm-hmm. we're not going to lie. So, um, so this is about being a leader. So if that's not what, you know, what some people want to hear, well, okay, well, go to another podcast, I guess. But, but no, last but not least here is empower. So yes. I love this word. And, and I know that some people kind of get this mixed up, but I want you to explain to the audience empowerment. How do you empower your team? So the way that I, I define empowerment is really to give your team, individual or individuals, the freedom to operate in their zone of genius. Because you think the whole process, we explored their skills, right? And what we were trying to accomplish, we um, pivoted our mindset and our thought and the way we were doing things. You know, we optimize how we were operating, you know, so that we can be more efficient and effective. We strengthen them individually. And it's like, okay, now that you're strengthened, let's put Mm -hmm. you to work. Now, it's not that you're not working before that, but when you are strengthening at your best, it's like, I can trust that you can take care of it. And as the leader, I am empowering you to do this. I'm giving you freedom to operate in your zone of genius. I trust you because you're in the right spot and I have you in the spot intentionally. I would not have put you there if I didn't believe you were the best person for the job. Like that, that's kind of what empowering is saying. Like I put you here for a reason. It, it is creating a safe environment to fail forward, right? It's giving people permission to like, you know what? You do this and you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. It's a safe environment to not fail backward, but fail forward and say like, I'm going to keep trying and keep going. I had a leader in my past who um, in in meetings, uh, he was just used to like, he's used to helping. He wanted to help, 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 help. But as a result of him trying to help, what he would do is somebody would ask a question pertaining to our department and now I report it direct directly to him, um, but he was in a, a higher position, but I was in charge of that particular area and he would just answer it right away and not give me a chance to answer it. And what happened is people started going to him instead of going to me for, you know, answers or responses. And I think he had created this like come to me type of um, just culture. And so one of the things, again, open communication. And, and when you have a good leader, you should be able to come to them with things. And I went to him and I said, hey, um, here's what's happening. Um, I don't feel empowered. Now I feel like I need to check with you because every time somebody asks a question, when we're in the same meeting. You, you know, blurt out the answer or the next step or what we're doing. And it doesn't give me the opportunity. And now, you know, my team is bypassing me and going directly to you probably because they feel like, I might as well just ask this person if this person is going to, you know, uh, answer it anyway. And he apologized. He said, I had no idea I was doing that. I didn't realize it. I'm just, you know, it's just in my nature to quickly answer questions and help people. And so what he did was he said, you know what, let's come up with a safe word. And he said, whenever I do this to you in a meeting, I want you to send me an individual chat message that says, hmm, that's interesting. So that he knows that like if somebody asks me a question and then or a question about my, de- my department and he starts talking, just send him. Hmm, that's interesting. And then he said he'll back off and defer and say, you know what? I don't know. Ask Shara. So we came up with that safe word and took us months to keep you know working through it and to retrain 
not just my team, but other uh, interdepartmental interactions that we had. And he, I would send him chats like, hey, and then he would say, you know what, ask Cher, I'm not sure. Or here's what I think, but I'm going to check with her first. And what he was doing was empowering me to make those decisions. He was letting people know, hey, she is the authority in this area, not me. Even though she reports to me, she is in charge. And as a leader, that to me is a good example of empowering and trusting or giving, you know, if if you know somebody's uh, strength or what they're really good at, giving them a project or assignment in that area and letting them have the freedom to do it the way that they want to do it. It's, it's, if you give them the vision and the outcome, who cares how it's made? Who cares like if they follow every little, follow it the way that you would do it? Like for me, I feel like this, if, if I have somebody who tells me the vision of what they want to do and how they want me to do it and what steps I should follow, in my mind, I say, well, you should just do that yourself. Like if you're going to tell me every little step to follow, then I think that you know what's best and you know exactly how you want to do it. And I'm not you, so I cannot do it exactly the way you want to do it. Empower me or do it yourself. I mean, really. And when you think about team dynamics without trust, you have nothing. And empowerment is all about trust. And trust threads through every relationship, whether it's a team or family. And so next week, again, we'll get into family stuff. Oh, yeah. For this week. We're just talking about the teams and how, you know, empowering them at the end of the process is what really gets you the dynamic results that you're looking for. Absolutely. And, and you know, to that point, right, and, and this is not play on words, but I, I want people to really grasp this concept of what Cher is saying. So what you're saying, there's a difference in I believe you because they believe they may believe what you're saying. They mm-hmm. believe what you're doing versus I believe in you. Yes. Where now that's empowerment, where now they're saying, okay, I, because I believe in you, you can now influence me. I'm yes. clapping. I love that. Yes. Right? And so, so as a leader, see, a leadership is, 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 is very simple. It, it's it, the, the, the definition of leadership is example. You, you have to be an example that people say, hmm, I want to aspire to be like that. May mm-hmm. not necessarily be the position, but just the, the standards, the principles, the way that you operate as a person, as, a, as an individual. So when it comes to empowerment, it just comes from that perspective of saying the difference between I believe you versus I believe in you. And that's the difference of influence. If somebody believes you, they're going to go back and be like, all right, well, I'm going to go talk to this person. I'm going to go talk to mm-hmm. that person. Right? Uh, they may not question how you like what you're saying as far as in your technical skills. Mm-hmm. But as a leader, yeah, they're going to land. They're kind of on the fence. So that's where the dynamic comes in far as an empowerment. And that that's how I how I viewed it and how I how I heard it for sure. Well said. Well said. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So so with that being said, this was great. So I want to close out with uh, Shara. Uh, I know that you have some great things going on uh, in your business. So just let the audience know what you have going on. Um, yeah. What, what's going on? Yeah, well, right right now, I actually have a, a, a new book coming out in uh, 
probably be this, this not probably, it will be this summer and it's, it's called Barefoot in the Boardroom. And it is a book uh, about how to lead through change and what the world's greatest leaders do to make sure that their businesses and teams are scalable. Um, and so in it, I talk about uh, some of these same principles that we share, but we, uh, I, I go through a whole lot of um, just processes like how, how change management goes into play when you are you know, implementing a new change, right? Like when you're pivoting, how do you change the culture? How do you shift what you're doing? And it is a process. It cannot happen all in, in one fell swoop. I talk about in the beginning, how companies like um, Blockbuster are now out of business. Why? Because they didn't, they didn't pivot. They failed to pivot. You know, the president had an opportunity, the president of, of, of Blockbuster had the opportunity to I think buy Netflix or have some shares in it and refuse because he felt like, Nobody's going to want digital movies, you know, um, they're going to want to come into this, you know, building and, and rent DVDs and, and uh, VCRs. And guess what happened? He didn't see where things were headed. And now the business is no longer in existence. And if you don't see what uh, is ahead and you don't specifically, um, I, I'll call it, take your shoes off, meaning Taking your shoes off and being barefoot is doing something unorthodox, something that hasn't been done before, something that people may look at you for. You have to, those who are great, those who accomplish great things are willing to do, do something that others have not been willing to do before. And so what we talk about how to do that as a leader, um, why it's important, how to lead your team, how to retain your customers, um, how to uh, perform change management and keep everybody on board along the way. I believe it's a great book, not just because I wrote it, but um, because I think leaders will really, whether it's a leader of a ministry or leader of um, um, any organization, all leaders, I think, can benefit from this book. There's going to be some great, great nuggets in there. And I'm, I'm excited about that. So that's the thing that's on the horizon right now. Um, and so, um, again, if you want to reach me or learn more about my consulting services or uh, want me to speak at your event, um, you can visit my website at www.sharahutchinson.com. I imagine it will be somewhere on the screen. And so um, you can visit my website uh, to, to see more about my services, um, learn more about me or to book me to, to speak at your event um, or do some consulting for your organization if you want to improve your team dynamics. Absolutely. Great job. So what uh, departing wisdom would you like to give the audience before we get out of here? I just like to say, you know, appreciate everyone's differences. Um, everyone has a unique skill. God created us, you know, all in his image, you know, and he says that, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, marvelous are his works. And don't get jealous or compare yourself to anybody and say like, I don't have their gift or their skill. And so I'm not good enough. It's, it's not true. You are enough. You are, you are good enough at what it, whatever it is that you need to do. And if you compare yourself to someone who is doing, who you think is doing better than you, you'll get low on yourself. If you, if you compare yourself to somebody who you think you're doing better than, then you'll get high-minded and then you won't get better and you won't change. And so try to be content in all things and be grateful and thankful for who God created you to be. Sharpen your gift, your skill, and offer the world, offer your job, offer your ministry, whatever it is that makes you great. Great, great wisdom. 
So with that, we are done. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast, Kingdom Success University, also to the uh, YouTube channel as well. Thank you again, Shara, for uh, dropping by and letting us know the acronym. Again, expose, right? Your leadership. Thank you. You have a blessed day. You too. Thanks. To view all recordings, please go to my YouTube channel, which is called Kingdom Success University, or visit my website at www.beachamsconsultingservices.com. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Success University podcast.